The question this morning that I just want to put before us as we look at his word and as we pray is, are you happy? Where or how do you find your happiness? How will you find happiness tomorrow, the rest of today, this week? How do we look for happiness? And this is a very relevant topic because that is all I hear in the media, in the movies, in the songs that are sung, is everyone is in pursuit of happiness. It's even in our constitution, so we should definitely pursue this God-given right of happiness. But where or how do I find it? And the title this morning is Discipleship for the Long Haul. This journey that we are on receives God-centered happiness. We're going to see that happiness has to start, must start. The only true happiness is centered on God. Can only be found in God. And is brought about by God's doing in his timetable. There's no step one and two and bing. There we go. Got happiness. (laughs) Happiness, though, comes with a relationship in God. And that's where this psalm begins. As we read these short six verses. If you noticed, a psalm had, I think, four Psalm 127 had five verses. Actually, Psalm 125 had five. I'm thinking of Psalm 123. That had four. Psalm 128 now has six verses. They're getting a little bit longer. But this is what this psalmist writes to us. Psalm 128, a song of ascents. A song as the pilgrim, the journey man or journey woman is going toward Jerusalem on their way to worship God. Some call, uh, believe this is called a song of ascents because you would remember and maybe recite part of the psalm as you actually ascended and stepped into the worship center, the temple of Jerusalem. For some of you who've been there, you've seen the steps. Maybe you even walked those steps up through the narrow, dark pathway up into the top flat table of the temple. These songs might have been sung as you're making your way up there. And this is what was said. Psalm 128, verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word. I pray that the words that you give to me will be words that come out of your truth, that will be built upon your truth, and that will connect, that will make sense, that will convict our hearts. Maybe for some in here that we need a word of encouragement. We need to be uplifted. For some of us, we need to be reminded and humbled of where happiness comes from. Even though a hundred different things are telling us that we can find our happiness in those things, may you teach us what true happiness looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not my quote. This is from a pastor and friend, Tim Keller. The truth about happiness is that it's ironic. And he says, here is the irony. The less you're concerned about your happiness and the more you're concerned about God, the happier you get. Let me say that again. The less you're concerned about your own happiness... And the more you're concerned about where you are with God, your relationship with God, and who God is, the happier you get. I read that in my studies and said, he's right on. He's right on. And you might think right off the bat of the story of the son who ran off to look for happiness in Luke chapter 15. He had the money. He had the personality. He gained friends. He went to new ventures and saw new sights. He might have said to us, I am happy. Oh, I am so happy. But in doing so, he left his father. He didn't realize that he left the one person and the one relationship and the one environment and the one place of safety that would have kept him happy, his father's house. Jesus was the master storyteller. And you're wondering, what's going to happen to this son? I mean, I can't even believe he asked for his inheritance and literally just punched his father in the face and left. That's what it would have been like in our culture. Completely disrespectful. Completely out of the norm to say, I want my fair share. I want to leave. And yet here is the father looking for his son's return. And praise God, here is the son who was eating out of the pig trough. Can we say the pig manger? considering we're close to Christmas, (laughs) the feeding trough of these pigs, he is eating what they are eating. And he says, why am I here? He comes back to his father and he finds not shame, not condemnation, not even his just desserts, which would have been Father, if I could just serve you as a slave in your house, that would be better than being estranged forevermore. What does the father do? 
He runs to his son. First off, the father would never have done that. What does the father say? He actually doesn't say anything at first. He wraps a robe around his son, gives him his shoes and his signet ring, and he says, welcome home. My son who is lost has been found. That son found true happiness. You know, the story should not be the story of the prodigal son, though. It should be the story of two sons. For the older one had everything. He was in the house. He was with his father. And he hated the grace. He had everything, but interestingly enough, he also could not be happy. Unlike the son who ran away thinking he could find all the happiness somewhere else, the son who stayed and worked for his father and did everything that his father commanded, he actually was not happy either. He thought his father was a taskmaster, mean, all about the rules. Unfortunately, he had no relationship with them either. And he just got angry and jealous. And he said, why are you throwing a party for that son? What about me? I've always been in your house. I've done everything right. But he, in all that was given to him, was not thankful. But he got angry. And he forgot that every, every good gift is from the Father. His position, the fact that he was there with his father. The father said, son, everything I have is yours. I don't think the older son knew that. I don't think he believed that. I don't think he saw that. I have everything I need. I'm not sure what that older son was missing, but he too was not happy. Maybe the story should be called the tale of the two unhappy sons. <laughs> one who ran off to find his happiness somewhere else and one who is with the father and could not be happy with the father. So, how do you find happiness? Here's another quote that I found and I just love the heart of C.S. Lewis and I don't know, for the umpteenth time, I'm reading another Narnia book to my daughter. She may discover that there are other books that can be read, but she is just loving them. He says in Mere Christianity, if you remember his book, C.S. Lewis, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Aim at heaven Seek the things that are above. Didn't Jesus say that in Matthew chapter 6? Seek the things above and all these other things will be added. Where do we find our happiness? Happiness comes from living wisely within God's parameters, within this God-centered mindset Remembering that like we looked at last week, God is working in everything that we do. He is 
working underneath all those things. He's done it first. He is doing it. He must be our focus in all of these things. We must go to Him for our work. When we do so, when God becomes the center, when we bring all things to Him, this idea of fearing God, as verse 1 said, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. We walk with Him in mind. We walk with His truth before us. Maybe for some of us a challenge with his truth in our hearts. We're memorizing and meditating. Our little children are doing that on Wednesday nights. Oh, how we too can do the same. Blessed. The word there in the Hebrew is the word for happy. Laughter. Like when Sarah found out that she was going to have a son and named him Isaac. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Happy is the one who puts God in the center. The first principle here, number one, is that happiness is found in God if we really want to see humankind, mankind flourish, it cannot do that apart from a relationship with the one who is life. Apart from the one who made them, who is their creator. I was just reading in a book that why is it so difficult? It seems like it should be communicated that to come to your creator is the easiest the greatest, the safest, the thing that makes the most sense. Come back to your creator like the lost son who said, what am I doing here eating pig food? I'm going to go back to my father's house. This is the good news message that God is calling all mankind to come back to their creator, to find happiness where there is true happiness. To find flourishing in God and not in anything else that we might be chasing. I say this to you, I'm saying this to myself. We chase after whatever is put before us so easily. TV commercials, billboards, our friend's newest gadget. <laughs> well, I want that too. Oh, that looks pretty spiffy. We chase after these things. We're allowed to. We have been blessed to. But they will never give us the happiness that this psalmist is speaking of. For he says, happy is everyone who not feel, fears fill in the blank, who isn't chasing after fill in the blank, but who has a reverence, an awe, a respect a focus on the Lord. That's what it means to fear. It makes sense, actually. When you get afraid of something, uh, let's just, just, just say you're in the woods, and, well, some of you could tell me your story, because I've heard of them, and there's a bear. Um, your heart might start racing, or 
Uh, I don't know, a moose? I don't know, we don't find moose. Maybe the largest elk you've ever seen. And your heart just starts pounding. Part of it is, this is the largest animal I've ever seen, and he's 10 feet away. At least for a bear, or maybe a cougar. Those are familiar. The second thought is, I could be dead. (laughs) There's this instant focus. There's this instant awe. That's a bear. There's this reverence. He could tear me up. What, what do I do? I don't know. I think put your hands in the air. I don't know. I'll have to ask the, the, the safety experts later. I know what you don't do is scream and yell and shout and say, I'm over here. You're in fear of what's before you. It's powerful. It's not tame. It's in the wild. You have no idea that bear is something that now has gotten your attention. And the psalmist says, happy is the one when God is like that. He gets your attention. He is in your sights. He is on your focus. There's reverence. There's awe. He is all-powerful. And yet, he is not like the bear. He's more like what I've been reading to my daughter, the lion like Aslan who comes and sniffs and warms you and speaks gentle words. He is an untamed lion, but he is the shepherd and the father and the one who comes alongside. And he says, be safe with me. Do we fear the Lord in that way? That he controls all things, he deserves our attention, and yet he is for us. We want to walk in his ways. We want to walk with him. We want to listen to his very words. When we find our happiness in God, then the psalmist kind of branches out as we continue to look. That when God is in the center, when he is our focus, we find that the happiness in him spreads to our other blessings, the gifts that our perfect Father gives us. We find first in verse 2, Ye shall eat of the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Secondly, happiness in God, we find happiness in work. Just like last Sunday, when he is the one we remember is doing the work before us, everything else comes into focus. The work we have been given is first off work that he has allowed, work that he is giving us to do, and work that he blesses. Psalm 1, 1 through C3 says, Blessed is the man, the same word, At the start of all of the books of Psalm, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And the picture here, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. The psalmist many times go to agriculture, go to vines and grapes. Here, olives. Psalm 1, a tree that has green leaves. Blessed is the man who walks with the Lord, who fears the Lord. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Our God, when he is feared, when he is center of our focus, when, like that quote was, we find that we are in pursuit of him and not happiness, that we actually find our happiness. When we are in pursuit of him, we find that our work with our hands can be rewarding. That he blesses us with every good thing, that our labor provides for meals on the table, provides maybe for kids and their education, provides a place for us to be with a roof over our heads. Our work can bless and does bless. We find our happiness in God, our happiness in work, And next he turns to one of our most important areas that he's called us to, happiness in the home. He says in verse 3 and 4, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold. These psalmists use behold, (laughs) as many other places do. Listen, hearken. Thus shall the man be blessed. Again, he says, who fears the Lord. Is the home that you're in one who fears God? And it might start with you. It might be even the long road of you faithfully fearing your Lord in a home that does not fear the Lord. And you pray, and you pray, Lord, may the fear of the Lord enter into my spouse, my children, whatever that prayer might be. But it's the fear of God that brings true blessing to the home. For us men in the home, do we fear the Lord Do I go to his word for guidance? Do I bring my home before the throne of God? Do I show my kids that God is their greatest relationship? Wives, how blessed it is to live in a home that fears the Lord. This isn't just about children. 
This is about that Proverbs 31 chapter of the woman who works, who labors far into the night, who watches out for every aspect of the home, who desires flourishing. Do you go to the Lord in your labors at home or even abroad as you may provide for some of the needs at home? Do you go to him and say, Lord, if I do this alone, it will be vain. Do you fear the Lord in the home? Do you seek to build a relationship with God as you care and shepherd for your kids and pray for them to come to know the Lord? Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots. Vines are wild. Vines have to be cut pretty drastically, as many of you know. They love to spread. They love to grow. They love to flourish. And when they're given the good environment needed, a house with the fear of the Lord. It says your wife is like a vine, producing fruit. Back then, they might have grown them overhead, like we even see today. They produce shade, places of rest, places of appetite. You could pick from the vine and enjoy its fruit. You could sit under its shade. That is the picture here. For the home that fears the Lord, there is shade available, there is rest, there is food. God's blessings, His gifts to His children, we never go lacking. We actually usually go with too much. Even God has given us a heart to give whether it's abundant or whether lacking. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament shared of churches that even gave to other needs out of not the abundance of what they had, but even in their poverty, they wanted to be generous. But the Lord says, everything's going to be okay for those who fear the Lord. The wife is like a vine. I love this next thing. The children are like olive shoots. What, what the psalmist is trying to say is, is you'd have that olive branch, and it usually was that main stalk that you wanted to make sure was healthy and alive and good, and yet what happens is the olive bush or tree, however tall they go, it, what it does is it spreads out, it shoots, and it comes up. And that is the sign of life and fruit, the sign of blessing is you're looking for not just the main stalk, but you're looking for new shoots to come up. Some of you have seen some of those trees, hundreds if not thousands of years old in some places, where there are shoots just coming through the ground all over the place. They could span 20 feet or even more. The sign of life, that is like children for us. Shoots that are carrying on the lifeblood of the tree, that are saying, this is healthy, this is alive, this is good. Do I look at my kids in that way? Here is the Parker family. 
Here is the line. Here are the ones who will go before me. I will pass away one day and this will be the new shoots. And what will be their, their impact? What will be their reputation? What will God do with them? Will they follow after him? Will they rebel? Will I have to pray for them to come back? What will happen with these shoots? I would pray that they would find that more shoots grow from them. That grow life in Christ. Life in God. That it would continue on and on. This psalmist is speaking the language of those who understood that to have a home that fears God is to have health for generations and generations to come. You as a farmer, if you've done any of that or looked into that, you understand that you're thinking about the years to come, the crop that will be produced, Lord willing, in the future that will provide for generations. You're not just thinking of what's going to come out of the ground this week. For the farmer, sometimes that's nothing. You're waiting. You're patient. You're you plant, you work, you labor, but it's God who has to bring it out of the ground. This is the language of the psalmist. You might marry, you might have children, but it is God who is going to produce a vine and produce olive shoots around the table. <laughs> Do we look at our families? Do we pray for our families in that way? Lord, produce offspring that follow after you, that, that want to sit around the table. That's a sacred thing for, at least for me. I grew up with meals around the table. That, that is few and far just disappearing. But it's that, for me, it's that one last thing, even if it's just dinner time. Okay, here is the family God has given to me. We get to laugh, we, we, well, I don't know right now. We're actually just trying to make sure food isn't flying all over the place and that they actually eat something that's there on the table. But this is what God has given me. This is the generation to come for the Parkers. Do we cherish those family times around the table? Happiness in the home. Quickly, as we look at the end here. Again, there's reiteration in verse 4. Blessed, happy is the man who fears the Lord. Behold, listen to that. It begins there. And then verse 5. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. When you find your happiness in God, you can find happiness in work. You can find happiness in the home. And you can find happiness. You pray for happiness for every season. There is a little shift here in verse 5. It's in the language of the ESV a little bit. The, the verb is that it's a petition. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. We kind of turn now from what God promises, the happiness that he gives to prayers. 
Prayers that there would be happiness in every season, all the days of your life. In the good weeks and months. In the difficult weeks and months. Where will you find your happiness? The Lord bless you from where? Where does it say from Zion? Do you know what Zion is a reference to here? That is the mountain of God. God is the one who brings all blessing. And the prayer is, may the Lord bless you from his capital, from his resources, from Zion, the place that he has said he will dwell. Mount Zion is my home, he says. May Jerusalem prosper. And even though we see in the news chaos happening in the Middle East, what astounds me is Jerusalem is still there. Thousands of years. A city that God has put his hand over and that is still there. It's going to be there. He has promised it. It will come to pass. May Jerusalem prosper is the prayer. And may you see Jerusalem prosper. May you see God's hand doing his will, prospering what he is planning to prosper all the days of your life. And again, it continues to resound this principle. Lord, only prosper what you have planned to prosper, what you desire to prosper, what you purpose to prosper. I fear you, for there is happiness in the fear of the Lord. Lord, help me to pray for Jerusalem and for its prosperity. Help me to pray for peace all the days of its life, all the days of our life. Why? Why should we pray these things? In every season, we desire the Lord to bless. Psalm 48.1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. This is Zion. And this phrase, may He bless us all the days of your life, reminds us maybe of a psalm that we know very well. Psalm 23 Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, you, you, you. If you've trusted in Christ, if Christ is your Savior, he's in your heart, there's a relationship. This is for all of us who have come to know him. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There it is. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will dwell in his house forever because it is forever. Zion will be forever. Jerusalem will be forever. That glorious new city that is promised is going to be forever. And his promises to us are forever. This psalmist is right. Goodness and mercy will be with me all of my days. And the house of the Lord is not going away. I shall dwell in it all the days of my life. So we find happiness begins with God. 
It begins with fearing God. He is the most important. Like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, we fix our eyes. Do we fix our eyes on the truth of who he is, on Christ and what he has done for us? We'll find our happiness not by pursuing happiness, but pursuing the God of happiness and happiness will follow. If we do that, we find happiness in our work, in our home, even happiness in every season, all the days of our life, whether it is a blessed day or it is a difficult, most difficult day. God will always be with us through the flood, through the fire, through the raging waters, as Isaiah says in chapters 40 and 41, he will never leave us or forsake us. And we pray, this is another prayer, Lord, prosper our lives all our days. And then the prayer is, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Happiness for every generation. Do we pray, uh, this is for me, do I pray, Lord, as my kids grow up into their generation and their culture, would you prosper churches, God's word? Would you prosper them to follow after God? Would you give them peace And this peace, again, we've said it many times, it's not just, oh good, there's no war, we have peace. This is the peace of reconciliation, of prosperity, of flourishing, of a right relationship with God. The peace that passes all understanding. Shalom. The rightness with God and with one another. May that peace be upon Israel. And that's our prayer for my kids, for your kids, for your grandkids, as they grow up, Lord, would they find the peace that only you can give, the peace that is found through Jesus Christ, a right relationship with God. And where we started, happiness in God is where it ends. (laughs) May our children's children and their children find their life and peace and happiness in a relationship with God. For that is the only way there will ever be peace in Israel. And we know one day that that peacemaker, Jesus Christ, he is going to come down and he will bring the peace that only comes through God. He already has done so once in reconciling sinners back to God through what he did on the cross. And all of this comes back to the cross. Happiness in God is found when we realize what he has done on our behalf. He came and died in our place. God the Son gave up the throne gave up his rule of heaven and earth to grow up into a family 
with brothers and sisters who are fighting, with trying to get bread on the table. He understands all of it. He came into that out of love. And as Philippians 2 says, he set aside, not thinking that he needed to grasp for all that he rightly could have had. He laid it aside for the sake of us to bring peace to Israel and to bring peace to the world. So how do we find happiness today? Let's go to the Lord and say, Lord, let me find my happiness in you first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Let's pause and go back to the one who is happiness, true happiness, lasting happiness, eternal happiness. This is what the psalmist understood. Blessed is he who fears the Lord. Amen? Amen. And may everything else flourish out of our pursuit of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you and your word brings us back to yourself. Lord, it's not even in the gifts that you give. It's not in those first. Oh, happy are those who have been given good gifts by you. But the greatest gift is that you have given yourself. That you are our happiness. That who you are will correct our doubts and correct our wanderings and bring us back into focus with where true happiness is found, it is found in you. And Lord, if there is anyone in this room who has not turned to the Lord, they have been looking and looking and looking for happiness. Or maybe like the older son in the prodigal story, they have been angry and angry and bitter with you. May they turn and fear the Lord. And lay those sins at the cross. And find forgiveness of sin. Find restoration and a right relationship with God. Lord, it all begins maybe with a confession and a prayer. Lord, I don't know how to say this. I don't know where to start. But I give up. I've been looking for happiness everywhere else but I want to find my happiness in you. Maybe it begins with a simple prayer like that. I pray we would all use 2020 as a reset maybe to find our happiness first in God and in nothing else. And then we can enjoy the blessings that he has given us. In Jesus' name, in his good name, amen.